amen and welcome to Jesus Church. He is the one and the only one. We can certainly get an amen on that, can't we? All right, we're in the middle of a series uh, this August and September on Jesus and his relationships, and it's in that broader context of the entire year as we're focused on drawing near to God. And obviously, we understand that through the years, you know, all through centuries and millennials, people have tried to draw near to God in various ways, and yet it was through Jesus that we can have that personal relationship with him as God, not our our creator, but as God, our heavenly father. And for that, we are grateful and we praise God today. Last, uh, we started the series actually uh, talking about Jesus and his relationship actually with the word. And in a sense, it was partially a relationship with himself because it says the word uh, became flesh and dwelt among us. The word, that logos of God was the creative power of the universe. And yet he came for a time, it says in uh, John chapter 1, 14, and the word became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, glorious of the one and only uh, son of God. And so in Jesus, we can see exactly, you know, how God loves us cares about us, thinks about us. We can also see the ultimate example, what the Holy Spirit inside each one of us is laboring to help us to become. And when we talked about Jesus' passion for the Word of God that actually uh, was illustrated when he was a young boy, we, uh, uh, we kind of introduced our decoding the New Testament. And on Wednesday nights, we are having a terrific time here on Wednesday nights, all of us together. And part of what we're doing we're taking a deeper dive into the scriptures. We're looking at the big macro level and then drilling it down on how we apply this and understand the entire context, the, the big picture story of the Bible. But we're also brushing up on our scripture memory skills, right? Most of you memorized some scriptures when you were younger. And then as time goes by, we sort of get out of the habit of that. So we're doing that. We have one scripture each week that we're memorizing together as a church. If you're not here on Wednesday night, all of the sessions are filmed, live streamed. You go to the website. You go to the Facebook page. You can see it all there. And our scripture memory is located in our newsletter each week, last week's and this week's, the very first week. Let's see how we're doing. I know it's up on the screen, but maybe you know it without looking at the words. They ask each other. Let's do it together. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? That's a tremendous verse, isn't it? And that's how we kicked off. And, and it's this spirit, don't you remember? It's the spirit of, uh, of Mary Magdalene when she went to the tomb and she saw that it was empty. And then actually Jesus made a personal appearance to her. And she's running back to see the disciples. And she's going, he's alive. He's alive. Do you remember that clip that we watch sometimes? It's, this, it, it, it's, it's when it was all brand new. Like these disciples on the road to uh, Emmaus when Jesus was there and literally he opened up the scriptures beginning with Moses and all the prophets. He explained, you know, to them all the scriptures concerning himself. That's later on in that, uh, in Luke chapter 24, maybe even a little bit earlier. And so there was this, there was this joy, this fire, this burning within when, uh, when it was all brand new. Now, as you get used to this, 
you know, particularly if the Holy Spirit is not igniting your heart in your times with God and your relationship with God and your community of, of Jesus fueling it, it can get dull, it can get stale, it can get a little bit in the distance. Uh, I remember like this story about a mom and her, her young son. The, the, the boy was getting to the age where you could have kind of a, you know, pretty serious conversation with him, even though on a, a, a elementary level. And the, uh, the little boy asked the mom, say, uh, you know, mom, where did you live when, uh, when, uh, w- when Jesus uh, was a boy? And the mom goes, sweetheart, uh, <laughs> you know, I, you know, I didn't live where Jesus was when he was a boy. That was like 2,000 years ago. And the little boy goes, oh, okay. I thought maybe you lived near him because you talk about him so much. And that's a, a Christian or a disciple is just talking about Jesus like he's a real person, like he's your friend, like you have a relationship with him through your walk with God through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in, uh, you know, in our lives. And then, of course, the one we learned uh, last Wednesday, you know, if you know it, you can say it together or you can look at it on the screen. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. There was a set time. There was a set plan. There was preparation that was made, and it was all leading toward Jesus' community right here, you know, on earth. You remember uh, last week, uh, Jeff zeroed in on Jesus' relationship with the Father, Abba Father, and it's it's beautiful, it's powerful, it's the, the set example for us in our relationship with God through the ups and downs, vicissitudes of life, whatever, you've got that connection you can't do anything without him. And if you haven't heard it, again, it's on the website. You can live stream it, and you can get up to speed if you happened to miss it. Now, as we kind of go on today, we're, we're considering Jesus and his community. As important, as essential, as primary as it is for us to have a relationship with the Father, God the Father, a fellowship with the Holy Spirit that is within each one of us who received it when we repented and were baptized into Christ. As essential as that is, because that goes with you 24-7. That is with you 24-7. You're in the presence of God. It's also very essential, and it's in the plan of God, that he, he, that he, he puts us in a community. We're a people. We're a body. And no, it's not just you and your one-on-one relationship with God. It's our relationship with Jesus and his family and his community. And that's where we're focused on. I just want to review a, a, a slide that Jeff used last week when he quoted Tim Keller. And he said, you know, in this, uh, if this world was made by a triune God, in other words, you know, the Trinity, in community, community with each other, relationships of love, or what life is all about. I wonder if you would agree with that. Community, relationship. For some, it's easy. For others, you have a little bit more of a loner DNA. That's, I've shared many times that's sort of my natural DNA. And yet, by God's, you know, 
grace and his spirit and the community, you know, we change and we grow and we become more, more like Christ in that way. But it's so essential to be able to, to think about this community. I have this experience every, every week. Pretty much most of the mornings, I'm going to be uh, at some point in the morning in a coffee shop or a little breakfast restaurant. You know, I've been to pretty much all of them. And I meet with many of you. I'm there early sometimes or I stay a little bit, bit later. And we have great fellowship and we talk about how we can spur each other on, encourage each other to love and good deeds and counsel each other and just be friends and have fun together, whatever, whatever the occasion warrants. And, and when I get there early or stay there late, you know, I see different people all around the, the coffee shop. I see sometimes students, but more, uh, you know, most of the time, business people. And many times it's a couple of businessmen, and you, you overhear some of their conversations, and, and they're trying to take care of their family. They're trying to make money. They're trying to help their family have a better life. They're working together, you know, on, on, on those things. And then I, I, I think about our community. I think about you because uh, you, you do the same thing. You take care of your children on a daily basis. You're working hard to provide for your families. You're trying to do a good job at work. You're trying to be a Christian influence and just be a person of integrity and righteousness wherever you are. And with all of those things that are going on in your life, that's going on in all the other folks' lives as well, you also are a disciple of Jesus. And you're committed to him and his standard of righteousness and committed to being a servant and committed to living in community with one another. And, you know, for one, I just got to say I'm grateful and I respect you. I lived that life for a full decade. I became a Christian as a, as a campus student, but in my 40s, I had a business career Many times fly, you know, two or three days out of town on a plane, coming back, getting back, getting, you know, trying to, to, to reconnect with the kids, get a time with each one of them each week for some special time, have what we call in the church sometimes a D time where you get with another fellow, you know, brother, and you talk about how you guys can grow spiritually, jump in a Bible study. We have a family group every couple of weeks, you know, uh, every Sunday family group leaders meeting. Anybody remember those? Okay, that was a lot, you know, a lot of stuff, and, you know, trying to slip in a date with my wife, and if I could play tennis or softball, amen, what a great week. It just perfectly laid out. But I know what that is like, and I know it takes some real focus and effort and heart on each one of you, but I've got to believe it's because you believe Jesus is Lord, and you believe the Scriptures, and you trust that doing it God's way, and God's way is absolutely living in community with one another. So I've spent, uh, and I've known for a few weeks I was doing this uh, sermon and exactly where it fit into our series, Jesus and His Community. And so the last couple of weeks in particular, I've been looking at this concept of Jesus and His community through the lens of the Gospels. I've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at least once, you know, uh, a piece and thinking about this. And there's so much you could say about it in a short little period of time. I'll give you some of my insights and invite you to open up your Bible and dig in and to be able to see what Jesus taught and more than anything else, what he modeled with his community that would become his bride, you know, his you know, his church. 
Let's, let's start off in this way. Jesus' community included uh, the large crowds that followed him. Did you notice that as you read through the Gospels? It's, uh, it, it's almost overwhelming. I, I, let's open up our Bible and just look at, at the first example in Matthew. It's in Matthew chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading in verse 21. Let's open up our uh, turn on and take a look at this, and you're going to see this concept. And if you keep on reading through, uh, through Matthew, you're going to see there 41 times that the Bible refers to the crowds or the large crowds that accompany Jesus. And just a cursory reading of this paragraph will give you an inkling why. Jesus was going over all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. When news spread about him throughout Syria, so they brought him uh, all of those who were afflicted, those suffering various diseases and intense pains, the demon-possessed, the, the epileptics, the paralytics, and he, he healed them. Large crowds followed him. Soon, from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And it continues on 41 times, 40 other times in the book of, of Matthew. Jesus' community included these large crowds. I mean, the next references on the Sermon on the Mount, the, there, there were so, so much of a crowd, he had to go up on this mount above them, and he taught them. And then at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, as we come to know it, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 28, the large crowds were there, and it says they were amazed at his teaching. And so part of Jesus' community was this large group of people who had some level of interest in, in what he was doing. And it's, it's not hard to figure out. I mean, when you look at some of these references, these are the references to the, not only of healing all their diseases, but feeding 5,000 people, uh, at least 5,000 at one setting, 4,000 people at another setting, healing all of their diseases. There's no doubt why Jesus drew a crowd. He fed them. He amazed them with his teaching. He said no one had ever heard anybody teach like this, the best teacher ever. He was entertaining. He was intriguing. He was convicting. And he healed everybody that came. And and he would occasionally you get a free meal and a free lunch. That's what happened. I, uh, we, we all read different books and we, we, we hear from different people. And there's, uh, there's a writer I like, even though uh, his name is misspelled there. It's uh, Jim Putman. And uh, Jim is part of this, um, you know, discipleship.org, uh, um, you know, real life ministries. He wrote the book, helped write the book, Discipleship. And... He has some great insights and has built a wonderful church in his part of the country. Here's, here's a take on, on uh, Jim and the crowds, okay? Uh, he starts off, if we continue to feed ourselves spiritually just once a week, we will be starving. And like physical starvation, it will lead to weakness, sickness, and eventually death. That is what we're trying to zero in this month and hopefully every month. you got to learn to feed yourself. That's what a mature human does. He, he or she does not show up on a Sunday morning and say, feed me, feed me, feed me, give to me, give to me, give to me, meet my needs. That's clear immaturity and baby love stuff. 
and it's okay for a while. But we have to grow to where we feed ourselves on a daily basis. That's basic human growth and maturity. And there, you know, we do get concerned sometimes as like uh, your, your leadership group, evangelists and elders, about to what degree over the last several years are we really doing that? Are we letting the world of iPhones and Netflix and, you know, just fill up information overload and all of the things that are going on in our life squeeze out feeding ourselves on the Word of God? And you can find it in so many places now, online and in podcasts and in, in, in videos. And I mean, it's, it's everywhere. And most of all, though, we're to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, Colossians 3.16, as we do what? Teach and admonish one another. It's the one another helping each other grow spiritually, you know, of the community of Christ. Let's look at look what else Jim says. I can't tell you how many times somebody has told me I needed to preach on a certain topic because of a particular situation or fascination in their lives. In their minds, the church isn't feeding them, so they insist on going somewhere where they can be fed. Now, this is, this is a guy who has a very big, growing, very dynamic, popular church. Some people will check out of church because they will not get what they had hoped for or expected just like they did with Jesus. You know the Bible? John 6, 60, right after, closely after feeding the 5,000, it said, you know, that most people turn back and no longer accompany Jesus because he gave them some hard teaching, not just a miracle and a great parable and, you know, heal somebody. And Jesus turns and looks to the disciples and says, do you want to leave also? Do you want to go? And Peter said, no, we're not going anywhere. We believe you are the son of God. And that's, that's why we stay. But he goes on, some people will check out of church because they don't get what they had hoped for or expected. They think of themselves as victims and ultimately become critics of the church. Rather, this is the key. Critics of the church rather than what? Servants of the body or the community. They will become those who say church is immature because it doesn't provide what they think or what they need or what they want. For me, I appreciate, you know, ministers like this, you know, that love God, that love the Bible, that have a growing dynamic church, but are willing to call us out. Because it's, it's not going to be any different, you know. Then there, there are like thousands, literally thousands of churches across the United States, you know, and elsewhere, where this is the idea, the consumer kind of view. I want to be fed. I want my needs met. Take care of my kid. Sing the song that I really want. Don't, you know, don't have too many announcements or whatever your thing is. Okay, and in the Church of Christ, please pass communion, you know, once a Sunday. Okay, but, but, but they are not about serving the kingdom of God, and this is exactly, you know, this is exactly if there's one scripture in the spirit of Jesus and community that I believe each one of us need, it's this riveting scripture. In the church of Christ, we preach not ourselves, but what? Jesus is Lord. That is, that is the central focus of our preaching, the resurrected Jesus. We don't preach ourselves how great we are, North River is all that. Come to New North River and we'll tell you how great we are. We more easily tell you where we're flawed, where we're missing the mark. But what we preach is Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as what? 
servants for your sake. That is who we are where you're sitting. You're a disciple. And if you're following Jesus or really attempting to, this is the standard. This is where we're going. I'm here to serve the body of Christ. And I want to be fed, but I, by jolly, better learn to feed myself and work out my own salvation in fear and trembling. For it's God who is at work within us, both to will and to do his good purpose. So this is just one thing I think it's important. And because you can't read the scriptures about Jesus and his community without seeing first these massive crowds. But then what happens? It drills down, okay? The 12 become the core of Jesus's community. We're very familiar with this, where Jesus goes out and calls people like James and John and Simon and his brother Andrew, Simon who would later become Peter, and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately leave everything and they follow them. And there's this core group of 12 people. Because here's the thing. You think about this. Who is the greatest preacher that you know or Bible expositor or the one that just completely floats your boat, okay? That is, it's just, you know, your heart skips a beat when you hear, I get, I get an opportunity to be able to do that. Well, whoever it is, they weren't as good as Jesus. We can, we can all agree on that, right? However, that didn't get it done. Just Jesus preaching and teaching. He had a plan, and his plan was to devote himself to a small group of people that would become his core and then his growing community, and then they would go out and be able to help change the world because the crowds are very, very fickle. That was Jesus' plan. It started out with, with this core of people. I mean, it's an interesting thing when you think about it. We've got a community. It's your city, you know, there. You've got your crowd. The crowd is kind of like all the people that have in our circumference that have come to our services, our family groups, our, our trunk or treats, and those kind of things. We've got our big community, Atlanta or Kennesaw, Marietta, wherever you are. You've got your crowd of people. And then we've got our congregation, the people who regularly come and associate with, with North River. And then we have... Uh, a committed, Acts 2 would say, the devoted, those who are really devoted, okay, and that are volunteers and they're servants and they're givers. And then there's that core group of people that are raising up to be leaders who can help raise up other leaders and be able to serve and, you know, in, in, in these growing ways using the gifts that God has given them. And the goal, of course, in Jesus' time is he kept working, and we're going to see it expand to 70, 120, and then the, 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 the church explodes on Acts 2, is get that core bigger. And kind of all the things we're trying to do here as a church is to get people to move to the next step, all right? Because Jesus has this core of community that's going to influence. And there's a very interesting thing that goes on because Jesus not only has the 12, there's an expanded group of 70 or 72 actually plus when you read math i gotta tell you matthew chapter 8 through 10 and luke 8 and 9 are blow away chapters in the bible unbelievable and some of what happens jesus sends out the 12 on a limited commission they'll be sent out on the great commission later on and then he sends out a chapter 
you know, later here, he sends out the 70 or the 72. You know, there's a, you know, discrepancy in the manuscript. We're not sure if it's 70 or 72. Some people think since Jesus sent them out two by two, the 12 and six groups, that maybe it was 72 and there were 35, well, 36, whatever the number, of two by two groups that went out, okay? And this, his, his, his community is expanding. And they have a very specific thing that they are to do. He gives very specific instruction at this point as this community is growing. He says, when you go, and interesting, he, he sends them out not to the Gentiles, but to the lost sheep of Israel. Be like us going to Bible-believing people around the southeast, not to China or to wherever. Okay? And so he sends them out, and he, there's a sense of urgency, and he tells them, precisely what to say and what to do he tells them not to take anything with them they're going to have to go by faith but they're also going to depend on the hospitality of others and so and he gives a very quick greeting peace be with you generally you know the greetings are much longer you know that you would normally have but there's a sense of urgency and there's something i think that is really amazing that i've always you know that i've feel like has become clear to me in the last several years of my life i think what jesus is actually doing is he sends these guys out ahead of him he'll come back and preach later is that he's laying the foundation for hundreds literally hundreds of small groups family groups you know house churches because the key thing he's looking for as he sends these uh disciples out is you stay in that house and they offer hospitality so they have an open, worthy heart and they're hospitable. And now they're scattered all around the area, hundreds of houses now and families that will be there when the time has fully come, when Jesus is preached and when the the crowds are not only, you know, the crowds are getting converted back in Acts chapter 2 and they eventually go out into all of of that area. The, uh, you know, the, the, the game plan, you know, and the roadmap for the church has really been prepared. It's a pretty exciting thing as you look at it. You know, we kind of move on. And, uh, you know, Jesus' community post-resurrection, pre-Pentecost, it's up to about 120. It includes people like Matthias and uh, you know, Barsabbas called Justice, you know, they're in, in, in Acts chapter 1, uh, 21 through 23, where Matthias is eventually, you know, uh, takes on the apostleship um, vacated by Judas. And it's grown in as a group of women, you know, that are there as well. One of the things that I love about the community, and I'll put this one for you to start looking for it as you do your Bible study. Jesus' community, there was nothing more important than following him and being a part of his of his kingdom his community was th- thicker at least i think i phrased up here thicker than blood this is an amazing passage when you think about it jesus loved his family devoted to his family nobody would argue that but he understood that a true brother or sister for you or me are those who do the will of god closer even than family i felt that and i bet you did when alex and jasmine were up here with love we're tight and we're close because we're servants together in the kingdom of god and hopefully we learn how to love our families you know better as well uh time for me to close out but this is such an exciting time jesus's community becomes the church in acts chapter 2 and it explodes out there and the time now has fully come and people are baptized 3,000 in one day and the DNA of the church 
is established, and it's that way to this day where they're devoted to the apostles' teaching and to uh, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and, uh, you know, and to prayer. It's such, a, it's such an exciting study as you keep reading and digging into the scriptures and realize that it's essential to love the word of God, have a relationship with it, to have a relationship with God our Father. And it's also essential to have Jesus came to bring community, to bring family, for us to work together, and us to use whatever gifts and, uh, that he's given us to serve the body of Christ. So let's humbly keep uh, approaching each other and God's word. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. And he will lift you up.